You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. something to write with, something to write on, and um, because we've got some things to talk about. Here's, I'm going to give you your first note right now. This is not a holiday to endure, but a holy day to enjoy. This is not a holiday to endure, but a holy day to enjoy. I hope you will begin with that note. Write that down. This is not a holiday to endure, but a holy day to enjoy. That's what this series of messages this December has been about. It's, it's um, how do we experience Christmas as the gift that it is at the end of a very trying year. We've been talking about what we owe our community, what we owe our families, what we owe ourselves. And so far, we've talked about what it means to be present to each other in a way that exposes Christ in us. And then we talked about what it means to be realistic and about the difference between unholy expectations and holy expectancy. We discovered that the message of Christmas invites a holy expectancy that takes the cap off our expectation and, and allows room for grace. And then, last week we talked about what it means to be a gentle presence in a harsh world. That was my personal favorite of all these. I just hadn't noticed before how prevalent gentleness is as a character trait of God. And so, in our meditation on the nativity, we are invited to fall in love with the gentleness of Jesus. And that is a posture that will lead us naturally into this week's call to be grateful. And that's what this week's message is about, to be grateful. Talk about being, be, be present, be realistic, be gentle, and then today, be grateful. So here's the question I hope to help you answer uh, for yourself through this message. What are you willing to receive? That's the question. I want you to write that down. What are you willing to receive? Uh, write that down. What are you willing to receive? And after you've written that down, look with me at Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin with verse 8, and we're going to walk with the shepherds through the story of Jesus. This is the last little piece in Luke's gospel of the Christmas story. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region... There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. I want you to circle their great fear. And then uh, verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not. So circle that, because we're going to connect those two fears. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So this moment, this angel and shepherd moment. This is that thing where the phone rings in the middle of the night, and you answer it, and you hear your brother's voice, and you're pretty sure someone must have died. But before he even begins the story of why he is calling at 2 a.m., your brother says, everyone is okay. You know that, you know that middle of the night call? Because he knows this is not normal, even if it's not bad news. That's the 
the way the angel approached the shepherds, the, the angel's proclamation, right out of the gates, the angel says, decide not to assume the worst, even though you're looking at an angel right now, okay? Decide to believe what you are receiving right now. I know that angels must believe their, their presence can be unnerving. So the angel says, don't be afraid. Supernatural things can be good. This is not something you have to be afraid of. This moment will end well. That scene is a great reminder that heaven stands ready to break in at any moment with good news. I sense that most American, middle-class, Protestant Christians need to be reminded of that fact. We need a revival of faith around a supernatural God who does supernatural things. And the Christmas story is a great reminder that Christianity is not a faith with a few miracles sprinkled in for good effect. I want you to keep in mind it was angels who interpreted the birth of Jesus for us. If angels had not showed up and explained this scene to shepherds, I don't know who would have interpreted this story for all humanity. I mean, I don't know if they would have understood that this child in a manger was divinity if anything less than an angel had shown up to share that good news for them. So maybe a better way to say that is God did not choose a human to interpret the story of Christ's coming. He chose an angel, which is to say that Christianity is not a good story with some miracles sprinkled in. Christianity is a miracle with some good stories in it. Without miracles, we lose the divinity of Jesus. Without the virgin birth, Jesus is just another kid born to another unwed mother. He begins to look more like Buddha or Muhammad um, and less like God in the flesh. We believe Jesus is, is, is God in the flesh, right? He is worthy of our worship, but he is only worthy if he is proven to be God himself. And that was the message of angels. Nothing less than angels could have made that message sink in. A being that had just been in the unhindered presence of God himself is now suddenly in front of these shepherds. Surely those angels, I mean, surely you're throwing glory everywhere when you've just been in the unhindered presence of God. And that angel who has just been in the presence of God shows up and they bring the presence of the Lord with them. They represent the atmosphere and mood and glory of the Lord, the pure joy of the Lord, the pleasure of the Lord. These angels come to these shepherds with the intention of sharing joy. Good news that will bring great joy for all people, for every season. So here's the thing. Listen to me. If you want to tap in to the supernatural power of God, begin to delight in the Lord. To rejoice in His presence. You know, Christopher Goss has taken over the adult discipleship uh, stuff in our church, and he's put together a really simple way for a few people to gather together and to to hold a life group. So you guys can 
you can get a piece of paper from him and a, a card from him that will walk you through a very simple gathering for folks to be together as disciples. And that is just three easy parts to it. The first part is, you know, the typical questions that we ask each other. Where did I miss it? Where did I get it right? How can I pray for you? That kind of thing. And then the middle part is where we can share um, what we're finding in the Word together. And then the last third of this gathering, this life group that we're proposing for next year, is, is, is prayer. And the beginning of that prayer time is to take time together to simply enjoy the Lord. Isn't that glorious? To get together with a few other people and delight in the Lord. If you want to see the supernatural power of God in your life begin there, delight in the Lord. Watch for the inbreaking. So that's how these angels came to the shepherds. Look at verse 11. They say to them, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Why a baby? Tons of reasons. But remember, he is the firstborn of a new breed of human. This is this good news is a person. Jesus is good news. Jesus is great joy. In the Roman Empire, the word for good news was used for official pronouncements. So this coming of Jesus announced something about an eternal empire. No wonder government officials in Jesus' day found his message dangerous. It was because Jesus came preaching an alternate kingdom that was not of this world. And this has never been better news for us than right now in the 21st century. One of the great and grave lessons of this year is that no world order will solve our problem. To the extent that we place our emphasis and effort on the, on the elevation of a humanly crafted world order, we will miss it. So by showing up to shepherds, Luke wants us to see that God's kingdom is not coming to us in high and lofty places like governments, but it's, it's coming to us in hidden and humble places. And this is good news for us, friends, for, for regular old people. Emphasis on the word regular, not old. This is good news for poor people. Good news for oppressed people, for imprisoned people, addicted people, broken people, broke people. Let me get an amen or two in the room. Come on. This is good news for ordinary people, nobodies, everybodies. This is great news for us. You know, I have the best seat in the house. I get to hear all the stories. And it's, it's just beautiful sometimes, overwhelming Sometimes Every week at Free Tuesdays, which I'm part of, I'm on the front row watching these amazing stories of transformation. I see people fighting for their freedom, fighting to get a ride to their group, fighting to hold on to their progress. And I have to tell you, it encourages me. And it most definitely breeds gratitude in me. Every hint of 
progress is such a reason for joy. So this month at Free Tuesdays, we've celebrated two huge successes, and I have permission to share them with you because I want you to be excited too. One is a story a lot of us have walked out together, um, which makes this milestone all the more fun to share and celebrate together. Will you join me in celebrating 1,000 days of sobriety for Krista LaCroix? days. That's a big deal. Yep. 1,009, actually, as of today. Yeah. You know, in Revelation, the number 1,000 means immensity, but it also means fullness. That is a big deal, you know? This is an immense blessing, and what a full life these 1,000 days have been. Krista's life has been transformed by that potent combination, listen to me, that potent combination of Christ and sobriety. The other celebration is this very cool and quiet story of generational discipleship. A few weeks ago, here in worship, we got to hear John's video testimony of getting saved in the parking lot of Panera Bread. If you missed it, you can find that story on YouTube. Uh, John did a great job of telling his story, and he told us that Chris Goss was the one who led him in that prayer. And then this month, Chris and John together shared the simple gospel with Cody, who has been making that journey out of darkness and who was ready with the support of his Free Tuesdays group to make his own decision to come to Christ. So will you celebrate salvation for Cody? You know, people like Cody and John and Krista, they don't need half a gospel because half a gospel will not bring them enough hope. They need the real Jesus to give them real life. They need the manger and the cross and the resurrection. (laughs) They need good news about a subversive kingdom with power to transform this world and their world. So these angels that came to the shepherds, they came to bring that kind of good news, that kind of great joy, because the real Jesus is good news. Good news for dead people, because you don't have to be dead to be dead. Good news for religious people, because there are plenty of religious people in the world who don't know Jesus. Good news for hopeless people, unto you a Savior is born. Unto you a child is given. And when the Christmas story talks about his government increasing, it is God's kingdom he's talking about. God's kingdom being established on the earth when Christ our Savior was born. A new humanity, a new way of governing this world. Look at Luke 2, chapter, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace 
to all on whom his favor rests. The story says, in the presence of angels, the glory of the Lord surrounded those shepherds. I mean, think of it. You know, the glory of the Lord chose to surround these working poor, dirty shepherds and a bunch of sheep. That's where the glory showed up. In my life, I have only experienced the glory of the Lord in a way that I can identify only a few times. One of those times was when my mother was on her deathbed, and I was right there with her, and I was as if I saw the gate of heaven. It was right there, and my sense was my mother experienced it too. It was overwhelming. The other time, but there's been other times, but one of the bigger times I experienced it was this year, in this space during a prayer gathering, I experienced what I would call just a weight of God's glory. It was the weight of it in this. My gut tells me that's what it must have felt like for the shepherds. Kind of holy weight, because it says they were terrified in the presence of glory. I suspect this was a holy terror, a healthy fear, not a horror. And the angel said to them, I bring you good news, great joy. And then he gave them that good news, that great joy, this glory of the inbreaking kingdom in the person of Jesus Christ. A new kind of humanity has been birthed into the world. Jesus is good news. Jesus is great joy. Our part is to receive that good news, that great joy, that Messiah. Our part is to receive. Write that down. Our part is to receive. J.D. Walt says, The life hid with Christ in God is a life of pure receiving. You should write that down. The life hid with Christ in God is a life of pure receiving. In other words, the abiding life is a life of, of receiving. This year has required so much sacrifice on the part of every person. We've had to give up personal preference. We've had to sacrifice family gatherings and travel. Not one of us wants to wear a mask. (laughs) We've had to give up a lot. Many of us have had to give up going into work, and some of us have had to give up going into work because we lost our jobs. Some of us have had to give up going to work because the office closed down, and now we're having to do it from home. For some of us, that's just not good news. It has isolated us. It has kept us from being able to do the work we love well. We've had to give up touch. So many personal preferences for the sake of physical safety. And they warned us. I mean, months ago, they told us, this time we're in right now, they told us this would be the worst of it. And oh my, how my heart hurts for canceled family gatherings this week, for canceled travel. My heart hurts with you, if that's you. And my heart hurts for people who are homesick right now and for people who will get sick this week. My heart hurts for the thousands who will find out on Christmas Day that they have COVID. That hurts. What else will we have to give? In a season of real sacrifice, I want you to hear good news. Life with Christ 
is a life designed for receiving. If you find yourself having to sacrifice in every other part of your world, you have all the more incentive to get yourself in front of Jesus because Jesus wants nothing but to give to you. He wants to give you, but the abiding life is a life of pure receiving. Write that down again. The abiding life is a life of pure receiving. Katie Walt says, if we want to get back to the most fundamental reality, right now we sure need to get back to the most fundamental We must return over and over and over again to the most fundamental, fundamental of all, receiving. And J.D. says the posture that makes receiving possible is the posture of gratitude. It's the shepherds returning to their post with joy, having received the gift of good news, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It's Mary treasuring up all the mysteries and hiding them in her heart in that place of abiding. It's Joseph receiving this child as his to raise and taking on that mantle of custodian of the Messiah with absolute confidence and joy as a pure gift. We're talking about the, the kind of life that is so in rhythm with God's ways, so in sync with his purposes, that the journey is no longer a fight against a rebellious spirit, but a joy. It's exactly what Jesus told us, John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for anything you want and you will receive it. Gratitude is in the receiving, and receiving is in the abiding. So if my goal is to experience joy in this life, then I will go after the Spirit of Jesus. I will cultivate an abiding spirit, a posture of receiving, so that every breath, every moment I'm alive, every small grace becomes my chance for gratitude. Most of us right now, We need to ask the grumbly little kid inside of us to go ahead and sit down. We say to that grumbly little kid inside of us, I hear you. I hear you. You need to sit down now so that the gratitude can begin to drive the bus. The grown-up with gratitude. I will not take any moment for granted. I will train myself to be alive to the inbreaking kingdom. I will trust the goodness of God. I will believe in Him as a giver and let my gratitude begin there. God is a giver. My God is good, and I have firsthand proof of it. My God is a giver, and my right response is gratitude. So, if a receptive attitude is the mental modification we need to make in order to approach all this in front of us with gratitude, then how do we do that? Let me give you a few thoughts. Jot down, okay? Number one, surrender to our circumstances. Surrender to our circumstances. 
Stop waiting for life to start again and decide that your right now life is a place where Jesus can show up and where good things can happen. Surrender to your right now life. Because surrendering is itself a kind of miracle. For some of you, it's a bigger miracle than for others. Let me hear from you, rebellious spirits and For rebellious and controlling spirits, surrender may be the one thing that stands between you and your right now blessing. God wants to use you. So trust that God can work through your right now circumstances. And the prayer would be something like this. Thank you, Jesus, for every tiny sacrifice I somehow managed to make against my own fallen and selfish nature, and thank you for what you are teaching me through every tiny sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, what is delayed is developed. That's a John Ogilvy quote. What is delayed is developed. So maybe some things aren't in your right now life. There are some things that are future tense, and there are things you've been praying for really hard that are still future tense for you. And if you're not receiving immediate answers to those prayers, it's possible that God is either waiting for your faith to be developed, or he is waiting for his timing in order to give what you have asked for, or he is saving you from yourself. (laughs) You know, (laughs) because not everything you ask for you don't want everything to ask for. Just uh, take it from me. <laughs> you don't want everything you have asked for. So it may be that God is working a process very intentionally, and my, grat- my ingratitude and my impatience over what I don't like is only impeding the process of bringing gratitude into my life. It's only making it worse. Does that make sense? I have nothing but gratitude fact that God has not answered my prayers. If you've learned anything about yourself this year, you get this. You know, I have learned some really hard lessons about my own broken places this year. My goodness, what an opportunity for sanctification and healing this year has been. So the prayer might be something like this. Thank you, God, for not shielding me from anything that will make me whole while I wait for you to fight. Thank you for not waiting, God. And on the things that I need to wait for, thank you for developing me while I wait. What is delayed, developed. Third thing, thank God for the prayers he didn't answer. That's where we just were. Thank God for the prayers he did not answer. Because sometimes we ask for things God cannot do or will not do, and sometimes we ask for things he wants us to do for ourselves. You know, we were talking, Krista and I, between services, that it's Christ and sobriety. Christ came and offered Krista an invitation, but Krista still walked the steps. You know, <laughs> there are things we have to participate in, processes we have to participate in, in order to receive all the blessing that God has for us. But here also is an opportunity for gratitude. Thank God for the prayers he didn't answer, for the cheap solutions and the quick fixes and the dead-end desires that I have begged him for. Thank you, God, for wanting so much more for me than I can ask or imagine for myself. Number four, four, four. Thank God, sorry, ask once, 
and then thank God a thousand times. Ask once and then thank God a thousand times. Thank Him for what He has given and thank Him for what He will give and thank Him for what you thought you needed that you didn't give because He knows better. In fact, I want to ask you to try this this week. Give yourself a, a gift this Christmas. Spend one hour this week, one hour writing a hundred prayers. Thank you, God, for. A hundred sentences that begin there. Thank you, God, for. Paul gives it to us straight in 1 Corinthians 4 7. He writes, For who makes you different than, or excuse me, what makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? Paul says. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? By writing those thank you prayers, you, you get the cart back in the right place behind the horse. It wasn't me who did this. It's God who did this for me. So thank you, God, for my health. And thank you, God, for a roof over my head. And thank you, God, for a faith community that's hanging on to me when I act a fool. And thank you, God, for... Uh, for, for not giving up on me. And thank you for, for, for mercies that are new every morning. And, and thank you, God, for a, a warm shower, if that's all I can thank Him for. In other words, I don't need to take credit for anything. I don't need to complain for anything if I've got, a, if I've got enough. What do you have that you did not receive, Paul asked? And if you received it, have you thanked God for it? Thank you, God. Everything you have taught me about myself this week. Thank you for a year ahead where the mercies will be new. Finally, five, watch. Because miracles do still happen. Those with faith will be blessed. So be watchful. Ask for, watch for, for eyes to see what he sees. Ears to hear what he sees. Tammy Hutchins is uh, someone we've, we've, some of us have spent some time with in India. She's a glorious woman of God. And years ago, had this story when she, she raised 46 children. Years ago, there was a time when she was up on the roof. The rooftops in, in India are flat. It's almost like an outdoor garden up on the roof. And she's out on her rooftop with these kids, these little children. All of a sudden, they just began to dance, these children. And they were coming around her, you know, as they would dance toward her, like, Gamma, come on, come with us, come with us. Don't you see them? Don't you see them? And Gamma's like, see what? <laughs> come on, dance with us. It took her a few minutes, but finally one of the kids said, but there were angels dancing on the roof of that room. Come. For the people who were placed high in the government of that country, they came three children dancing on the rooftop of their home. If you have eyes to see it, you will see all kinds of things. Right now, we have plenty of opportunity for sacrifice. That's not necessarily a bad muscle to exercise. We could all use more grace with our art of sacrifice. Characterized by and known by the ultimate gift of God. Maybe the, the real muscle, real muscle exercising is the art of sacrifice. 
really exercise my yard uh, thieving because about abiding. What do you need? Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.